Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in in what part of the country? Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. This is Next Steps for Seniors with your host, Wendy Jones. Each week, Wendy brings resources and information to help guide you through those next steps for your elderly parent or loved one. Now, here's Wendy Jones with this week's guest. Good morning, and welcome to Next Steps for Seniors. I'm your host, Wendy Jones, and also owner and operator of Next Steps for Seniors, the business located in Rochester, Michigan, as you all know. And this week, I'm, I'm very blessed to have a guest that's back again because of her passion and because of her desire. It is a House Representative Crawford. So I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much for being here. Glad to be here. Absolutely. You have served so many seniors over your lifetime in, uh, in the work that you've done, and I'm very blessed that you're here today. Um, again, sharing. And one of the things that we didn't get a chance to talk about last week that I wanted to bring up um, was our our data. We talked a little bit about data, but not a lot. Um, One of the things that that really keeps coming to the forefront is our death rate. Yeah. Um, How it's calculated. There's a lot of comorbidities that our seniors have. Right. Um, and so do you know how that's being calculated? What, what Give us a little well, bit of information on what's happening with legislation. This is part of the challenge uh, for legislators is that we've never been able to clearly understand how data is collected. I mean, one thing that we were told is that for nursing homes, for example, they were told to report the deaths and report um, give, send a report back to the governor as to how things were going. You know, how much PPE did you have? How much, you know, a lot of little specific pieces of information. But, you know, if you're a bad operator, you know, and hopefully we don't have very many of those, but, um, you know, what are the chances you're going to fill out your report correctly? Or even if it's, you know, the report is done by another staff person, you know, and maybe they don't fully understand how to do the reporting. But that's what apparently was how we were figuring out what was going on in nursing homes. But to give you an example, um, uh, a number of people that I heard from in a local nursing home anyway told me that they didn't find out they were COVID positive until they went for another medical procedure. You know, maybe they went for dialysis. In one gentleman's case, he went for dialysis. And at dialysis, his blood pressure dropped, so they sent him on to the hospital um, where he tested positive for COVID. So when he was, he was treated there, the hospital, and then sent back to the nursing home while he was still contagious, and he had a roommate. Well, oh. they put him in a separate room 
where he said he had to stay for five weeks. Well, we don't even know at this point if you can get it again. You know, if they're sending all the contagious people into one area, like one part of the nursing home, can can they get it again? I mean, if you're clear of it, then can you also get it again? I mean, we don't really have any good... We don't know about the antibody tests, you know. But the sad part is that this data was never told. The state legislators have asked and asked, where is the science? What information are you using to collect your data? We never got any answers. So now we are requesting, now since the Supreme Court decision, one of the things that we are doing is we are going to be getting to the bottom of the answer about where, how many people died, actually, especially in nursing homes, how many people died. That's where most of the people came from that, that were the deaths. We know that anybody over the age of probably 55 has at least one condition, you know, high blood pressure. They have something that perhaps uh, would make them more susceptible to an illness. But in nursing homes, you're all together, and if one person gets it, you know, it's going to be tough, challenging for all of them to get it. So family members weren't allowed to go into the nursing home to help assess what was going on there. Some were told, even by a staff member, that, listen, we've lost over half people, half of the people here and half of the staff. I mean, imagine that. So what do you think the chances are the people that are bedridden in a nursing home, for example, are they going to get feeding you know if they can't feed themselves if you just take a tray into their room and they have don't have the ability to feed themselves do you think there's going to be enough staff there to actually feed them no there's not one woman said her husband's death certificate said he died of neglect he had covid but he died of neglect which to me is an interpretation of well nobody fed him or took care of him or knew how sick he really was it's Tragic. It's beyond tragic. Can you imagine a family member having to live with that because she couldn't go in to help feed him? He wasn't something. He died of neglect. So the actual (laughs) death certificate said neglect. neglect. Yes, that was the cause of death. Even though he had COVID, breaks my heart. Even though he had COVID, and of course, I want I want the listeners to know too is that we will probably never, never ever get good statistics of what people died from or how many people died in a nursing home. Because if the person left the nursing home to be treated at a hospital for COVID and they died at the hospital, the hospital counted them as a COVID death, not the nursing home. So the numbers are going to be all skewed. I mean, we're not going to really get the full, accurate picture of how many people died. Well, and I was at the Joint Select Committee meeting um recently and they talked about this topic and one of the questions was if somebody has cancer and somebody has covid what does the death certificate say because they may have died from the cancer he had stage four cancer and he happened to get covid while he was in the hospital so does the death certificate say cancer because that truly is what he died from or does it say covid because if it says covid that's really not the cause of death Right. And right. are we pulling our stats from that? That's inaccurate. Yeah. So there's, I, I agree with you. I do feel like there are a lot of questions that yeah. need to be answered. Well, and that's going to be by whoever the coroner was or whoever the doctor was that signed the death certificate. It's going to be a mix of, you know, some people saying they died of COVID even though they, if they had cancer and they really died of cancer, but because they had COVID, it may say COVID on their death certificate. So it's hard to know. It's going to be difficult to know 
um, what really the, the real picture of COVID deaths. That's going to be impossible probably. But we are requesting the data and we are requesting the, the, the science. You know, what science um, has been telling you that people that couldn't open a business, couldn't open a gym, or couldn't open their beauty shop. I mean, beauty shop, beauticians have to go through rigorous training and everything um, about sanitation, you know, sanitizing their brushes and their combs and everything. I mean, if there's going to be anybody that knows how to keep you safe, it's going to be the beauty shop, you know, and where you get your nails done or or whatever. And um, the fact that they had to stay closed for so long, to me, it was criminal. I I think so many of these businesses, it, it was crushing to the to our economy absolutely crushing and we kept asking and begging for this data that says they have to still be closed when these people just like seniors you know we didn't get to be this old by being stupid we know how to take care of ourselves pretty much you know we expect you know that if we get a cold or we get really sick we're going to go to the doctor i mean we we know how to take care of ourselves, and businesses don't want the reputation of killing people. They're going to do what they need to do if it's social distancing, if it's whatever. You know, so we really objected to a lot of the whole state being treated the same, even though there were regions, supposedly, you know, uh, there were regions that had a higher incidence, and naturally where the population is larger, you're going to have a higher incidence. But it also depended on the testing, you know, if some places, some counties weren't doing much testing because they didn't have many cases, so they just weren't doing widespread testing. So there's so many variables, but it's really bad to treat everybody in the state the same and keep everybody locked down when it's so different from one region to another and from one county to another. So counties should really have, they should be the front line to tell us how we should be and that's your and that's your platform moving yes. forward is yes. that we should be doing this by counties because some counties are hit harder than other counties. Absolutely. There's no reason the whole state right. needs to respond the same when right. it should be county specific. Sure. Yeah. And counties can can advise schools, you know, what to do. If you have this many cases in your school, you know, you need to completely clean your school. You need to take everybody home. You need to notify people. Counties can notify quickly. Notify the schools. And notify and, and the schools can notify parents that we Agreed. had a, we had a positive person. So all of those things were, I mean, it's it's so frustrating for us legislators when we are the voice of the people and the people have had no voice at all for seven months. How many calls do you think you got in the past seven months from your constituents? I can only imagine hundreds of calls came to our office on a weekly basis. Hundreds of calls. And many of them had to do with unemployment. I mean, the unemployment, the department just was totally inadequate. They still, you know, they they had to get, um, they added more employees, but these employees couldn't make decisions. They were new and they didn't really know how to, I mean, my own daughter actually was on hold. Well, for every day she was on hold for hours on end. And finally, when she got a human being after they added some people, she was told that she would, um, that he didn't really know how to answer her question because she was flagged for one reason or another. And it was just a minor thing, but any minor thing caused your your case to be flagged. So she stayed on hold because she was afraid to hang up because she actually got a human being. She was on hold she wanted to stay from on 10 o'clock in the morning until 6 o'clock when they closed their office, listening to music, 
all day long. Unbelievable. Well, I believe that we have learned some things from yes. what we've gone through. Moving forward, I've got to believe things are going to be different. I love yeah. that all the work that you have been doing personally and our legislature to fight for our, our constituents and our families and our seniors. So I just want to say thank you. Truly thank you. Yeah. Well, we got to continue fighting, that's for sure. This is Steve Mack. Tuesday, November 3rd is Election Day. It will be the most important election in history for Christians. The First Amendment guarantees our right to freely exercise our faith, but that right is under attack today. Religious services are being interfered with. Christian schools are being told who to hire, and even if they can remain open. Judges and political candidates are openly attacked for their Christian beliefs. We must elect candidates who will protect religious freedom. In Michigan, unregistered voters will be allowed to register and vote on Election Day. Do you have an unregistered family member or Christian friend who you can bring to the polls on Election Day? They need to be at least 18 with proof of Michigan residents. Thank you for voting to protect our God-given freedoms. God bless America. Paid for by the One Nation Under God Foundation, a tax-exempt 501c3 committee. Hello, friends. This is John McCullough, and I've got some exciting news. Now, in addition to listening to us on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, you can also stream us live on Radio.com. Here's how it works. Just go to Radio.com, tap Choose News Talk Radio, and then scroll down to WDTK The Patriot. It's that simple. Or you can just pick up the Radio.com app. Either way, it's fun, sounds great, and you're going to love it. Check us out today at Radio.com. Are you a 50-year-old male with pre-existing conditions, conditions where you may be a bit porky and have type 2 diabetes? If so, $1 million of term insurance should only cost about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-555-2085. If you lean left or right, wear a mask or don't, Big Lou will find an affordable term life policy for you. Big Lou's been very, very busy lately finding affordable term life insurance for people with pre-existing conditions. He's great on the phone with a bedside manner second to none. Get a term life quote now by calling 800-555-2085. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford with no broken promises. So call Big Lou. He's a lot like you, and he's hoping for a vaccine, too. For affordable term life, call Big Lou at 800-555-2085, 800-555-2085, or BigLou.com. Stand up, stand Hello, Positive Patriots. You're invited to tune in every Saturday, noon to one, on FM 101.5, in AM 1400. We're also on Facebook.com forward slash Positive Patriot Show. Evolution, not revolution. Yes, tune in to the Positive Patriot every Saturday noon to one. There are many issues in this election, but without life, nothing else matters. Sadly, Joe Biden and Gary Peters want to take over America and deny the most basic right to life to unborn babies. Joe Biden and Gary Peters want abortion until birth, and they want you to pay for it with your tax dollars. Joe Biden should never be president, and Gary Peters should not be in the U.S. Senate. Donald Trump and John James will fight to protect unborn babies. Donald Trump and John James support laws to keep your tax dollars from paying for abortion, 
and Donald Trump and John James support laws to protect unborn babies from painful late dismemberment abortions. Unborn babies can't vote, but you can. Be a voice for the voiceless in this election. Vote for life. Vote for Donald Trump for president and John James for U.S. Senate. Paid for by the National Right to Life Victory Fund at nrlvictoryfund.org. Not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. NRL Victory Fund is responsible for the content of this advertising. This is Wendy Jones, and you're listening to The Patriot, FM 101.5, AM 1400. Welcome back to Next Steps for Seniors. We're changing gears a little bit this segment. Last segment, we heard from Representative Crawford, and what an amazing, dynamic woman she is. Uh, We were all blessed by all she's done uh, for seniors in our community. And this segment, we're switching gears, and we've got an elder law attorney in the house. Uh, We're going to be talking with Representative Wozniak, Doug Wozniak. Good morning, Doug. Good morning. We are blessed to have you here today and all that you're doing for our communities. And I'm just going to let our listeners know some of the things that um, Representative Wozniak has been doing for our community. He is on six different committees. It is the Children, Family, and Seniors, Judiciary Committee, Health Policy, Communications and Technology Committee, Commerce Committee, and the Joint Committee for Administrative Rules. Oh, my goodness. And in your spare time, you are an elder law attorney, and you practice in Shelby, correct? That is correct. Well, thank you for what you do. I don't even know how you have time to be an elder law attorney with all the committees you're doing, so bless you. Thank you. That has been my passion is helping elders uh, through my law practice. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so he's got a very established law practice. And you have how many attorneys with you there? Uh, three attorneys work for me. Uh, we're currently looking at bringing in a couple more people. Uh, we're, I'm finding that uh, the elders are really reaching out now to seek what type of help they can get. And, of course, I get involved with Medicaid and veterans planning. So it's per- important, listeners, to understand the difference between an elder law attorney and, and a regular attorney because – our our sweet Doug Wozniak here has the experience in dealing specifically with elder law. Well, it's been about 20 years, and uh, I've been doing it uh, in Shelby Township. I would say, though, that the, my biggest thing is to represent the seniors as, it, as they should be represented. Um, you know, a lot of times they'll be in a, a hospital and they don't get admitted and they're under observation. All of a sudden they've got a $20,000 bill they've got to pay up just because of the who who ran the hospital at that time and what rules they were uh, putting out. So we've, we've gotten people to the point where if a doctor tells you, and this could be a bad or good thing depending on situation, just don't say yes. Understand what they're telling you and make a decision from that. And, and he brings up a great point because a lot of seniors have gone into observation, which they think they're admitted in the hospital, but truly aren't. They're in in like kind of a holding pattern, so to speak. Exactly. And that means there's a change in the benefits that will pay for that care. Medicare then is back on the back burner because you haven't been admitted. In order for Medicare to come in, you have to be admitted. And then we can, uh, you know, slide over to Medicaid on that, mm-hmm. which would be very helpful. Now, I've taken people that have assets, and, and this is a, uh, I think there's an uh, an urban myth that you have to be poor in order to qualify for Medicaid. 
okay, being poor is okay. Mm-hmm. And we can get and you And thank qualified. you that we have it for them. Yes, yes, I agree. Yes. When we look at it, though, we can take anybody that's got uh, retirement funds and we can set those aside and do either uh, Medicaid-compliant annuities or Medicaid trusts, irrevocable trusts. And it takes time to explain that to elders. And they, sometimes they just freeze up and do nothing, which is always, oh, I'm sure you know, when they do nothing, it's a mistake. At least find out what you should do. And if you can do it, do it. I agree with you. And families, if there's one plea that I have, and I know that you're going to echo me on this, um, Doug, is to be thinking ahead of time. Do some pre-planning because the biggest mistake that you just mentioned is doing nothing. Because when you get into a situation, and I just had one yesterday where the family doesn't know what to do and the father now is deemed incompetent. He has not planned. He does not have all of this stuff in place. There's no trust. There's no, she doesn't even know where his bank accounts are. So we are in a situation that is just overwhelming and does not, it did not need to be this way. If there was a little bit of communication and a little bit of pre-planning, they wouldn't be in this situation right, right now. Some, some families are very secretive about what they uh, have as far as assets. And uh, when I mean secretive, they won't tell their other family members. And sometimes they won't even talk to the kids, and the kids are going to be responsible to take care of them. And that creates a problem. So I always recommend communicate, communicate, just talk. And and if you don't want to talk, write it all down somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Give it to someone like Doug, Doug Wozniak. Call the office. Set some things up because... She says he has no idea what his passwords are. You know, the people at the bank won't talk to her because she doesn't have a POA. I mean, it's just it's just nothing but a, a cluster, and I feel so bad. Yeah, well, you just said POA, so that kind of touches on, a, on another item. The most important estate planning document you could have is a patient advocate, and that's where you're appointing someone to make the medical decisions for you if you can't, if you're incapacitated. Uh, how do you be determined incapacitated? Well, either two physicians or a physician and a psychologist. But that way, someone can make the decisions for you when you can't. But if you can make your own decisions, you'll be able to do that. And then you mentioned POA. People might not know that abbreviation, but it's power of attorney. Right now, I have a bill up in the house that changes the way financial institutions accept those and look at those. So that there's a five-day time limit as to acceptance or or declining a POA. And if they decline, you have the ability as the principal to go back to an attorney, uh, particularly if you've been working with one, and get an opinion that that POA is valid. When you take it back to the bank, if they disagree with that, you can litigate with them and they would be responsible for fees and costs, including attorney fees. (laughs) But uh, I it, like that bill. That's good. That's yeah, a, it, it makes sense because uh, one of the thing about one thing about banks is that they they'll look at a document, but they don't understand some of the documents they read. And powers of attorney are all different. Uh, I've used the same type of power of attorney with tweaks in it for about twenty years. But it was always disappointing if a bank could call up and say, "Well, we're not accepting this because of this." And I'm going, "What? Why would you do that?" And it creates a problem, particularly if we can't get it accepted at uh, the principal's bank. 
Absolutely. So we're getting the, those rules and the rules of acceptance uh, so that there's really no liability on anybody's part if they have a good faith understanding of, of what that power of attorney does and if they decline to do something inside of it. Mm-hmm. It's okay. So, uh, But it, it'll tighten things up for us. We, uh, earlier this year, I put out an elder law package that identified elder abuse, clarified the age at which uh, a, a, an adult over the age of 80. Okay. That's the best I could do with uh, the like elder. It. Yeah, the elder law section. They didn't want to go down to the age of 65. But uh, we, we got that passed in and strengthens um, some of the penalties for mistreating an elder, particularly when we find that about 63% of the family members are the ones that mistreat the elder. Oh, my goodness. So for anyone over the age of 80 that is mistreated, that's what the, this bill's for, that you were able to... Okay. Right. We've got a built-in assumption then that you're taking advantage of them. You can rebut that uh, with evidence, but uh, when we look at that type of age, we're saying, okay, that person might not have all the capacity they need to make decisions. Right, right. So what I love is that you are on the committee for children, family, and seniors, and Representative Crawford, who is just here, is the chair of that committee. She's a hard act to follow. She is great. (laughs) Right? So tell us a little bit about what your focus is on that committee. We've got two minutes left in this segment. All right. So I can tell you that uh, one of the first bills we passed was uh, on adoptions. Uh, when the w- law was rev- revised in 2014, they left out the section or the people that could work on adoptions that were attorneys. In other words, adoption attorneys couldn't do it illegal, could get grieved for working with it. So my bill changed it such that we brought the attorneys back into the process. And people might not know this, but the atop- adoption process is very, very difficult. And what they did when they left the attorneys out is relied on people doing their own adoptions. Didn't make any sense. So I had a bill go through, it's already passed, where we brought the adoption attorneys back into the fold, back into the process, and it smoothed it out quite a bit. Excellent. One of the other things we looked at uh, uh, is the foster care system. Um, $232 million was spent on a computer program for the state to run the foster care system. Uh, That was done about five years ago. We've had to abandon that whole computer system because it made the situation worse with backlog. So when we had that, we've we've gotten rid of that. It's called (laughs) MySaqua. What a name. Wow. But we're trying to uh, actually take the foster system and streamline it so that kids don't get lost. And I don't know if you know this about me, but I actually had four foster children. Oh, wow. I had two boys, and then I had two other... Then they went back. Um, they actually got adopted by a family that couldn't have children. And then I had two other boys that were brothers, and they went back to live with their mom and dad. So I fostering is near and dear to my heart. There are so many children out there that need good families. 
And there's so many good people out there. So let's put the two together and raise up these children. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be talking more with House Representative Doug Wozniak. Hello, friends. This is Luke Hammett, and I have some exciting news for you. Now, in addition to listening to us on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, you can also stream us live on Radio.com. Here's how it works. Just go to Radio.com, choose News Talk Radio, then scroll down to WDTK The Patriot. It's that simple. Or you can just pick us up on the Radio.com app. Either way, it's fun, sounds great, and you'll love it. Check us out today at Radio.com. Have you or a loved one been diagnosed with spinal stenosis? I'm Dr. Marion McMillan, Medical Director of Synergy Spine, Michigan. Spinal stenosis affects 50% of people over age 60. Patients with spinal stenosis cannot stand, walk, or enjoy normal activities without severe pain in the back, hips, and legs. Now, spinal stenosis can be treated through a lighted tube no larger than a pencil without the risk or expense of major spinal surgery with rods, plates, or screws. The endoscopic surgical procedure is performed on outpatients in about an hour. Patients go home the same day and can resume normal activities in just a few days. It's the modern alternative to major spinal surgery. Contact Synergy Spine Michigan toll-free at 833-770-8100 or at SynergySpineMichigan.com. That's 833-770-8100 or SynergySpineMichigan.com. This is Steve Mack. Tuesday, November 3rd is Election Day. It will be the most important election in history for Christians. The First Amendment guarantees our right to freely exercise our faith, but that right is under attack today. Religious services are being interfered with. Christian schools are being told who to hire, and even if they can remain open. Judges and political candidates are openly attacked for their Christian beliefs. We must elect candidates who will protect religious freedom. In Michigan, unregistered voters will be allowed to register and vote on Election Day. Do you have an unregistered family member or Christian friend who you can bring to the polls on Election Day? They need to be at least 18 with proof of Michigan residence. Thank you for voting to protect our God-given freedoms. God bless America. Paid for by the One Nation Under God Foundation, a tax-exempt 501c3 committee. I'm Brian Kurtz, president of AIP Financial Services. A fixed annuity is similar to a CD at a bank. They both give you a guaranteed interest rate for a certain period of time and are very safe. Fixed annuities, though, typically pay a higher interest rate than CDs, and the interest is tax-deferred until you take it out. As an independent advisor, I'm proud to be able to offer the highest guaranteed rates anywhere in the nation. Call AIP Financial Services today at 866-247-6663 to find out what you could be earning on your safe money. The following is a public notice for people suffering with fibromyalgia symptoms. Researchers from the University of Illinois College of Medicine have developed the first definitive blood test for the biomarkers of fibromyalgia. Those who test positive may qualify for an FDA-approved clinical trial of a breakthrough symptom-eliminating treatment. Previously, a fibromyalgia diagnosis could not be confirmed. Now, participants can have definitive confirmation of this debilitating disease. The test is covered by nearly all insurance plans, and FM Test can even arrange to have your blood test done by a licensed medical professional in the comfort and security of your own home. 
If you suffer from chronic fatigue, mental fogginess, or chronic pain, it may be fibromyalgia. This opportunity to get the first and only definitive test. If you test positive, you could be among the first to receive a breakthrough treatment formulated to eliminate all fibromyalgia symptoms. Space is limited, so go now to yourfmtest.com. That's yourfmtest.com. yourfmtest.com. This is Wendy Jones, and you're listening to The Patriot, FM 101.5, AM 1400. Welcome back to Next Steps for Seniors. And we're here today with House Representative Doug Wozniak, and what a blessing he has been. And we also heard from Representative Crawford as well. And obviously, as you know, uh, he is an elder law attorney and practices in Shelby. But I wanted to ask you um, a little bit about your past because, you know, you've got a ton of experience in this area, in this industry, and we appreciate that knowledge. Um, So share with our listeners a little bit about how you got into this. Yeah, well, after I became an attorney, I was one of the first attorneys in the state that got a certification from the uh, Institute of Continuing Legal Education for probate and estate planning. Uh, I think there were like 14 of us in the whole state to begin with. And uh, quite a long time ago, but uh, I've used that certificate. I'm a member of the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys, uh, which puts out a lot of good information and tries to help seniors. Um, Graduate University of Michigan uh, with a mathematics and economics degree. Go blue. Yeah, go blue. Uh, My law degree is from MSU. Okay, go great. (laughs) Go great, right. You got them both covered. Got them both covered, yeah. So... uh, my wife's a Sparty. She's been a nurse for over 40 years. And my daughter is a pediatrician out of U of M. She just finished her residency at Mott. Um, and she's got her MD and a master's in public health and got a three-year fellowship to Stanford. Which wow. She, yeah, they just Congrats. moved out there. That's amazing. You've got to be so proud. Oh, I am. I am. I did. She was the only one in the country that was chosen for that. Wow. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Uh, so... My background goes from one school to the other, and uh, but I've, I've really had this passion for elder law and trying to make sure that our elders get taken care of, and that when they get scammed, I just feel it so badly, you know that, and when they come in after they did something, I, I'll go particularly if they're a client. I told you, don't sign anything unless you talk to me first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You just got to be careful. Oh, yeah. It's a crazy world we live in. Mm-hmm. It's sad that we have to be thinking of this stuff, but we do. We need to educate ourselves and educate our seniors. Yeah. And uh, as I mentioned in the earlier segment, when seniors freeze and do nothing, it really hurts them. So at least take the time, seniors, to go out and find the information you need. Exactly. Exactly. So let's go back to some of these committees that you're on. I am fascinated by all the work that you're doing for our community and in our state, and I appreciate it. Um, So the children, family, and seniors, we talked a little bit about children and family with the foster care and the adoption system. And thank you for that, Bill, because I agree Mm -hmm. with you. It needs to be streamlined. Um, It's a little bit chaotic, not going to lie. Yeah. Well, with your experience, you know that reunification is Mm -hmm. very important to try and get the child back into the home and if you can't do that then you have to go the second alternative is find them the care that they need at that point Um, on the one side of that I'm working on a a program for adverse child experience it's called ACE 
Uh, right now we have 132 ACE trainers in the state. What they do is go into the schools and train the social workers to identify any adverse childhood experience that might be out there for any child. The goal is to have all teachers trained into this eventually. So a rollout may be kindergarten through fifth grade, fifth grade through twelfth. But the idea is not to stigmatize the child, but to identify that they've got an adverse condition that they might not even know about. Maybe mm -hmm. maybe a divorce. Probably don't. Yeah, right. A divorce, a death, uh, bullying, that type of thing could really change their life going forward. So we want to make sure that they're not stigmatized, and uh, but they are uh, counseled as mm -hmm. to what they're going through. So by the time they reach the 10th grade, 12th grade, they're not committing suicide. They're not depressed. They're not going to go out and AK-47 somebody. So the idea is to bring that program in as early as possible and identify if there are problems with the child. But no stigmatization. We want to make sure that the child can live a normal life. Absolutely. I love it. And then what about our elders um, in relationship, or our seniors in relationship to that committee? Uh, well, that, uh, I'm sure we're talking to Rep Crawford, mm -hmm. uh, you understand her passion for the seniors and what they have to go through. You know, simple things like, okay, can you hear me? You know, can you see me? Well, what what is happening in your life? And, uh, you know, with this COVID uh, pandemic, we've had seniors locked into solitary confinement in nursing homes, and uh, it hasn't been a good issue because my personal feeling, it uh, accelerated a downhill slide emotionally for people in nursing homes. And the stories that I've had where people couldn't visit, uh, they couldn't even look, even look through a window, and then all of a sudden grandma dies, and they can't take care of the burial because of the pandemic. So sad. It is, it is. And uh, so I think the rule changes that we've got coming up, uh, Pete Lucido in the Senate's got a bill coming up. I'm working on a bill to make sure that visitation is available, family members can get in to see that person and uh, do what's necessary for them. I I just feel so bad about that, That uh, I, and this is uh, when we talked earlier, the silence is deafening. We need more people to step up for seniors. And uh, they're a very vulnerable group, as I've said before. Very vulnerable. And this is a time like none other. Yes. I mean, we have, it has been brought to the forefront, and it's so obvious to me, and I'm sure to the listeners and to you, because we all listening to this program have a passion for seniors. But to have them in a situation that they are as isolated as they are, um, and, and kind of what I said at the joint committee and the uh, the nursing home COVID-19 committee was, you know, our seniors have lived through pandemics before. Our seniors have lived through World War II, World War. I mean, they've gone through uh, continuous crises, riots. I mean, all this stuff that they've lived through, the Great Depression. And now we're going to say, you know, they lived through all that with their family. They had people around them. And now we're going to say, okay, now you got to live through COVID-19, but you got to live through it completely and utterly alone with absolutely nobody. At least, if nothing else, we need to give them their families. Yes. I, uh, one thing I do in my law practice is make sure that 
if I have an elder that has called me up or have talked to that has a problem, I'll say, why don't you just come in and we'll talk. There's no charge for any of that, for consultation. There's no charge if we have to go out and visit. And we do that. We go to hospitals. We go to homes. Uh, if people need documents signed, we'll, we'll take care of that. So uh, there shouldn't be any reason that a, a senior freezes and does mm -hmm. nothing. So you've had a lot of platforms. One of them is the is the ambulatory surgical centers. Can you share with our listeners a little mm -hmm. bit about what you're doing with that? Yeah, there's eight states that have already approved uh, ambul ambulatory surgical centers. But the important thing, and I should say, you can have an ambulatory surgical center in any state, but what we're trying to do here in Michigan is have a contiguous uh, extended recovery center. In other words, if you've got four surgical suites, you're now going to have two to three overnighters. And if they are doing elective surgery, well, it's cheaper if they stay in that physical presence over there by the surgical suite, stay overnight, 48 hours max. Then if you have to go into the hospital, you'd be shipped into a hospital. So, so right now what's happening is they would go to these surgical centers and they'd have to be same day, right? They'd go in and out. They're 23 hours, to... 59 minutes, and 59 seconds. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's the rule. So we can get a waiver on that rule. Eight states have already gotten that waiver and uh, to extend the recovery. Because when you look at it, the elective surgeries are – uh, well, we we postponed a lot of those in, mm -hmm. in the pandemic here, and you saw what it did to the hospital's bottom line. Those are the money makers for them. Now, one way they can make money at that is to go to an off-site, like a surgical suite, where the overhead is quite a bit lower. So they would make more money on every elective surgery they've got. The patient, this is important, would pay a lot less. Their insurance company would pay a lot less. The physician would actually get paid more for what they're doing. But that elective surgery that we found that when we stopped doing that, it just really hurt the medical system. Mm -hmm. So let's make that available here in this state. And if we do that, you can look at the availability, say, I call it above the knuckle, you know, in the mitten, mm -hmm. where all of our veterans, our elderly people, our people that don't have a lot of income, how do we get the medical care? So when we look at that, oh, by the way, we've done already some broadband uh, bills to get up that broadband up north so that people can have visits with doctors without having to travel 50 miles to get to the hospital. Uh, and that was another uh, bill that we had. That was about four years or four months ago. And we made it such that the doctor doesn't even have to be online, but the doctor can go back and talk to the patient after the patient's done their portion of the video. Excellent. Oh, yeah, and it makes sense. When you look in the long run, we want to keep our medical people here in the state instead of leaving. We have all these graduate medical uh, education programs, and we don't want those people leaving. Like uh, if you're in Ferris or if you're in Central, we want you to stay in that area. So how do we keep you there? Well, if we can get the patients there and the care that they need, it'll be good. We're going to take a quick break and be back in a second. This is critical information, and we appreciate it. We'll be, we'll be right back with you. This is Randy Brown with the Patriot Detroit, and I've got some exciting news. Now, in addition to listening to us at 101.5 FM and AM 1400, you can also listen to us live on Radio.com. Just go to Radio.com, tap News Talk, 
and scroll down to WDTK The Patriot. It's that simple. Or pick up the Radio.com app. Either way, it's fun, sounds great, and you're going to love it. Check us out at Radio.com. This is Steve Mack. Tuesday, November 3rd is Election Day. It will be the most important election in history for Christians. The First Amendment guarantees our right to freely exercise our faith. But that right is under attack today. Religious services are being interfered with. Christian schools are being told who to hire and even if they can remain open. Judges and political candidates are openly attacked for their Christian beliefs. We must elect candidates who will protect religious freedom. In Michigan, unregistered voters will be allowed to register and vote on Election Day. Do you have an unregistered family member or Christian friend who you can bring to the polls on Election Day? They need to be at least 18 with proof of Michigan residence. Thank you for voting to protect our God-given freedoms. God bless America. Paid for by the One Nation Under God Foundation, a tax-exempt 501c3 committee. Have you or a loved one been diagnosed with spinal stenosis? I'm Dr. Marion McMillan, Medical Director of Synergy Spine, Michigan. Spinal stenosis affects 50% of people over age 60. Patients with spinal stenosis cannot stand, walk, or enjoy normal activities without severe pain in the back, hips, and legs. Now, spinal stenosis can be treated through a lighted tube no larger than a pencil without the risk or expense of major spinal surgery with rods, plates, or screws. The endoscopic surgical procedure is performed on outpatients in about an hour. Patients go home the same day and can resume normal activities in just a few days. It's the modern alternative to major spinal surgery. Contact Synergy Spine Michigan toll-free at 833-770-8100 or at SynergySpineMichigan.com. That's 833-770-8100 or SynergySpineMichigan.com. I'm Brian Kurtz, president of AIP Financial Services. A fixed annuity is similar to a CD at a bank. They both give you a guaranteed interest rate for a certain period of time and are very safe. Fixed annuities, though, typically pay a higher interest rate than CDs, and the interest is tax-deferred until you take it out. As an independent advisor, I'm proud to be able to offer the highest guaranteed rates anywhere in the nation. Call AIP Financial Services today at 866-247-6663 to find out what you could be earning on your safe money. This is Wendy Jones, and you're listening to The Patriot, FM 101.5, AM 1400. Welcome back to Next Steps for Seniors. We're in our last segment, and time is flying by, but I do not want to be remiss and not give you the phone number to House Representative Doug Wozniak and the elder law attorney practice that he's running. So if you would share your contact information with our listeners, I would love that. Right. Uh, Phone number is uh, 586-781-9190. Uh, that's the office. The, there's always someone there, uh, and we'll get back to you if you get the answering machine, of course. There's also a website called called Wazlaw, W-O-Z-L-A-W dot com. That's part of my last name, of course. And um, we show what we do on there. Uh, I would like to point out, though, besides communicating with me, is that if seniors can take a step forward and talk to the area agency on aging here, 1B, that takes care of Macomb and Oakland, and then 1C, which is down in Wayne. That agency is like an umbrella agency that will lead the senior to where they've got to be. And there's no cost to it. All they have to do is call. 
Uh, also, too, the books that they put out have all the information you need to contact the right people in the state of Michigan and any other help and abuse lines that uh, a senior might need to call. Again, I mentioned it earlier, when seniors freeze up and do nothing, it's the wrong thing to do. And if the, all these services are out there, you don't get charged for them. Just don't fall for any scams, of course. Right. Be careful. Be careful. Because there are a lot of low-income alternatives available that people just aren't aware of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I would tell you that uh, Medicaid qualification is the one big gorilla that's always out in a family's mind that they got to get rid of all their money. Tell us about that, please, because yeah, you're the, an expert. Yeah, well, I've, I've qualified a lot of people, even though they've had funds. And if a, a loved one's going into a nursing home, perhaps with dementia, and there's not enough funds to fund that person going in, then we figure out, okay, how can we qualify for benefits? And we'll take care of that through legal pa- paperwork like irrevo- irrevocable trusts, uh, Medicaid-compliant annuities, whatever else we can do, caregiver contracts, which is, uh, by the way, caregiver contracts, that's a sore point for me because the DHHS made it such that a caregiver contract has to be notarized, even in reverse, and that does make it. How do you get a senior to a notary? Mm-mm. Now, we're changing the law so you can do some re- remote notarizations. Okay. That'll be helpful. But if you don't have that in place as a notarized contract, you just have the contract, Medicaid will penalize you. Actually, DHHS will penalize you for that period of time. So it makes sense to try and get everything straight. The rules in Medicaid are very complicated. and uh, You do have to qualify uh, medically, though, for Medicaid, too, not just financially. Yeah, I mean, and we've been talking about Medicaid where you go into a nursing home, but there's also Medicaid on a, what's called a waiver program where you're, you're qualified for Medicaid, but you can stay home and have the people come in. The waiver program is great. Uh, it works in coordination with the PACE program, the program of all-inclusive care for elders. That program is just wonderful. Uh, if you become dual certified under Medicaid and Medicare, there's really no out-of-pocket cost to you, but you'll get the care that you need. Everything. They'll even take you to the doctor. They'll pick up your prescriptions. They'll make sure everything is taken care of for you. Wonderful group. Wonderful group. Yeah, PACE is a wonderful organization. Yep, I completely mm-hmm. agree with that. And then there's Mork. Out Mark, there. Yeah, Mark does a really good job. Uh, again, low income. They're mm-hmm. helping a lot of people do that. Um, one thing we want to look at, too, uh, is trying to reform our guardianship system here in the state. Uh, when the courts get into guardianships and appointing people, it, qual- qual- it uh, complicates everybody's life in the family. Now they've got to report to the court. They've got to follow certain rules. And if we can stay out of those situations, we will. But if we've got to get a guardianship, you want to make sure, if possible, that you get somebody that you can trust. Mm. Family member, maybe. Professional guardian, maybe. But a lot of times, the professional guardians don't get paid for what they do, but they're obligated to take it on a court appointment. So we're going to try and change some of that. And uh, I think That'll be a big part of our system. Touching on that a little bit, too, is going back in mental health. Um, you know that about 25% of our prison population is mentally incapable of making decisions. But we've got them in our Department of Corrections, and every prisoner that we've got there costs about $38,000 a year. So we've got a prisoner, and we've got additional medical costs for that person at a prison. Personally, I think it's wrong to send someone to a jail to begin with if they're 
mentally incompetent. Why not just set up a different system, carve out the funds from the Department of Corrections, create that mental health system, and make sure that they get taken care of? It would eliminate a lot of the other problems that we have in this state. Completely agree. Yeah. I just really think it's wrong to send a, a mentally incompetent person to jail. It's just not right. It's not right for them. It's not right for the prison. And financially, it's not right. right. We're not helping this person. Right. We're not. And when you look at the DHHS budget, $27 billion, that's what it'll be, every year to help people. And there isn't any reason we, can help, we can't make a medical mental health program that will help all of our residents. Mm-hmm. We've got some stuff out there, but not enough. Agreed. Agreed. So we've got five minutes left in the program today. We've covered an enormous amount of information. I would love you um, to just recap what you think for our listeners right now that are listening to the program. What are the most important takeaways? What do you want them to know beyond everything else? What's the most important takeaways that you want them to remember today? There's somebody out there that'll help them. Not to freeze. Freezing up is the wrong move. But if you can find somebody, uh, and I know you can, just by simply picking up a phone, uh, you can call my office. Yep, we'll give 586-781-9190. Okay. Right. We'll give you the contacts that you need to go forward if we can't help you. And, of course, if you want to come in and talk to us, there's no charge. Uh, there just isn't. But if we have to come to your home, we'll do it. We have to, we have to come to your hospital room, we'll do it. Uh, we've done that quite often, matter of fact. But I think people do get some comfort once they uh, sign some legal documents or get more information so they can proceed on the rest of their life. I'd like to see more children take care of their parents instead of, uh, well, a lot of family members abuse their parents. And and that's, of course, wrong. So if there is that situation, don't be afraid to call. I know that some family members won't call uh, the officials, the police, because they don't want their family member being arrested. It's pretty simple there. But you got to do something. You, did, you just do. Yeah, it's pretty sad how many um, children are not involved in their, in their family with their seniors and Adult Protective Services gets involved. That's the part that's staggering to me. Yeah, that could be a good or a bad thing. Uh, I mean, you know, if you make a, a Adult Protective Services an APS call and you get involved in that system, then it's a reporting requirement. Uh, they're required to report if there really is a situation. So now here you've got that stigmatiz- stigmatization mm-hmm. again. Right, so. right. And it can be good, like you said, good and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of my takeaways is, like you, you said, just to echo on what you said, is be involved with your family. Now, you know, parents aren't perfect, so maybe something's happened throughout your lifetime and you're not feeling the love for mom and dad. But I just want to tell you, your blood, your parents raised you. You're in this on this earth because of them. And however it's happened throughout the course of your life, at some point, you need to forgive them. You need to let go of that. And you need to be there for your family members. So I just want to echo what you said. I really, and it isn't just a phone call. It's a face-to-face you don't really know how your loved one's doing when you when you stop in for five minutes and they're sitting at the kitchen table. Unless you've seen them go up and down the stairs or try to do their laundry or try to make their bed or try to make their food, how do you know how they're really doing? You're hitting it right on the head, you know, that you got to be active, you got to be involved. 
sometimes we kid and uh, talk about, okay, you change your kids' diapers, now it's their turn <laughs> to change, <laughs> change yours. yours. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, you know, you got to be involved with your family. That's the biggest thing, and that's what we try and make sure that gets done uh, through any advice is always communicate. Definitely communicate. And and here's one last thing to as a takeaway. When you say, um, children, when should I talk to my mom and dad? Well, let me just say this. I'm going to tell you this. You should talk to your mom and dad when they can talk to you back. Right. You want to have a conversation that is open and loving because the day will come when they're not able to respond or when they're too um, incognizant, you know, their cognizance is gone. So please have these conversations as soon as you can. You can tell them you heard us on the radio, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I talk to parents and I'll say, uh, your kids have never argued, right? Just think of what they're going to do when you're gone. Right. You have a, a modicum of control now, but if you're gone, the whole world changes. Yeah. Okay. Give your number one more time, Doug. Uh, phone number 586-781-9190. Uh, the website is wazla, W-O-Z-L-A-W.com. Thank you. Thank you for what you do for our community, for what you do do for our seniors, our state. We just really appreciate you. Great. Thanks, Wendy. Thanks for listening to uh, FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. You've been listening to this week's edition of Next Steps for Seniors with your host, Wendy Jones. You can reach Wendy with any questions you have at area 248-651-5010. That's 248-651-5010. Join us again next week as Wendy provides more information and resources for those important next steps for your elderly parent or loved one. There are many issues in this election, but without life, nothing else matters. Sadly, Joe Biden and Gary Peters want to take over America and deny the most basic right to life to unborn babies. Joe Biden and Gary Peters want abortion until birth, and they want you to pay for it with your tax dollars. Joe Biden should never be president, and Gary Peters should not be in the U.S. Senate. Donald Trump and John James will fight to protect unborn babies. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.